The Witching Hour with Aaron Maza is a Mind Garden Media podcast in association with Screw You Todd Productions. My name is Aaron Maza, and this is The Witching Hour. Hey everyone, it's Aaron. I just want to take a moment to say thanks to everybody who gave me feedback and listened to my episode with Keldon. Or Keldean, I'm still going to say. Take your pick. In today's episode, I get to have the amazing Chris Allen with me. He is seriously one of the smartest witches I know. He is knowledgeable on all sorts of occult subjects, but today we're going to be talking about working with the dead and what that looks like. And he's we're also going to be discussing his new book, a guide to spirits. And without further ado, here's Chris Allen. All right, everyone. The time you've been waiting for, I have Mr. Chris Allen here with me today, author of several fabulous books, which I own. But in particular, we're going to be talking about his new book, A Guide for Spirits. How are you, Chris? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Just trying to stay warm like everybody else in the Midwest right (laughs) now and doing an awful job at it. That's so funny. It is so cold here in Chicago. I, okay, I got Bington to go, how cold is it? But I'm not going to put you on the spot like that. So I have actually met you in real life uh, many, many moons ago. And I have actually picked up and I've read a few of your books. Uh, and they are very, very interesting books. And I messaged you earlier this week because we're going to be talking about your latest book, A Guide of Spirits. And I really enjoy your writing style. It's almost like you're sitting right in front of me just telling me the information. And I like that personability in a writer. But the first thing I got to ask is, this is what I asked to all my guests, is how did you find this path that you're on? Funny story. And I've told this before. So my family is uh, very uh, spiritual slash religious. So my father was extremely religious, um, all about God, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And my <laughs> mom was all about ghosts, fairies, goblins, prophetic dreams, all that crap. And her aunt, they used to do seances and Ouija boards and all those. And whenever she would uh, visit, when I was young, she used to tell me bedtime stories. And the bedtime stories were, let me tell you about the time that we summoned a spirit through the Ouija board. And he told us all about his death in the attic. And, oh and then and then um, we had all these psychic disturbances in the house. Okay, good night. And that was how I grew up. And so um, I think with that, my mind was just open to it. It was just open to like spiritual forces and things like that. And so I always felt like ghosts and presences and things and um, energies in my house. Like I am not the kid who could see spirits growing up, but I could feel them. I knew they were there, but but partly it's because I would hear these stories all the time, you know? And then uh, when I was in high school, probably about uh 16, 17 years old, I found Uncle Buckland's big blue <laughs> book of witchcraft. <laughs> Uncle Buckland's. Yeah, that's what we used to call him back in the 90s. And um, <laughs> Uncle Buckland, Uncle Bucky. And <laughs> and um, <laughs> I know. And um, I was introduced to um, 
witchcraft. But I, I, I always thought it was strange because everything he said about degrees and Wicca and the four elements, I'm like, blah, tell me about the spells. And so I didn't like his spells. And so I rewrote everything to fit to my needs. And so that's how I got into magic. And then <laughs> I was formally trained in the year 2000, 2001, by my first spiritual teacher, Matthew Ellenwood. And then from there, and I'm also part Cherokee. And so um, I decided to, and I wasn't raised in that tradition. So I decided to really like, hey, I don't know anything about my Native American heritage. So I'm going to find a teacher. And I did. Uh, my teacher is, uh, my Lakota teacher is Billy Topatate. And uh, she taught me all about the Native American past and, and all that. And I and that was in 2007. But I was initiated into traditional witchcraft in, in the year 2002. And then blah, 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 fast forward. I started my own circle in 2013. And then I got published in 2016. And then... Flash forward, here we are. Nice. So, and, so that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. So that's one of my favorite terms is like such and such in a nutshell. But you've written a series of books. But what I want to talk about today, one that is actually very interesting to me, is A Guide for Spirits. And yeah. w what this book is about is it gives people, like from what I understand, from what I've read, a system of practice for helping those who are passing on to, yeah. to those who are, have already passed on. That's right. Uh, what was the inspiration for this book? I, I feel like it was a project of yours that was a long time coming. So kind of. It was weird because my first book, of course, was Underworld. And then I did The Upper World. Then I did Other World, things like that. And, you know, when you're an author, you kind of get the bug. You're like, oh, man, I need to write. I need to write. I need to write. All of a sudden, I got this strong calling in October of 2019. I'll never forget this because I became, my first books were The Underworld and then deeper into the underworld. And then I became kind of pigeonholed and like, oh, all things dark and scary. I'm like, yeah, that's great. And the ancestors are awesome, but I can do a lot of things. I have a lot of training. And so I was trying really to stay away. So I honor the, ans the ancestors in my daily practice, but I was trying to do something uh, new and inventive and blah, blah, blah. And I kept having this call like, no, you've got to do psychopomp work. I'm like, yeah, that's something I do, but it's kind of a private practice that I mm -hmm. do. I don't charge people. I don't do any of that. It's just something that's from the heart. And I was just like, I think I want to do something with the tarot or something. I like the tarot a lot. And I'm telling you, October 2019, no, you have to do psychopomp. Okay. And so I started to do some research, blah, blah, blah. And I started to actually do the writing of it. And so for myself, I usually spend about six to eight weeks just researching a topic before I write about it. Mm -hmm. And so around like January, you know, I started to sit down and write. And then, of course, COVID happened in March of 2020. And um, I was like, okay, so this book is an important book because people are dying. 
in the thousands, hundreds of thousands and so forth. And then it wasn't until probably a year ago that it kind of dawned on me because I'm slow. It dawned on me. I'm like, hold on. I was called to do this book. The spirits literally said, Chris, you got to do this book because the book is needed because people are dying and they're dying alone and and they're dying unexpectedly. And can I just tell you how many emails and instant messages I've had to where people have said, hey, Chris, your book has really helped my family. Your book, my uncle died of COVID or my father had a heart attack or my grandmother slipped and fell and hit her head and she died. And your book helped me help her transition to the afterlife. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And at first I was like, yeah, let's write a book about tarot. And then they're (laughs) like, no, see, this is why I always say, trust your gut because that's the spirits. The spirits are saying, listen to me. You know, you use the word uh, psychopomp. I've heard the term before, but whenever I hear the word psychopomp, I think of like a entity or a God like Hermes is a psychopomp or some form of deity is never referred to uh, as. So let's talk about the the word itself. So psycho means like soul or psychic. And pomp in Greek just means guide. So it literally means a guide of souls or a guide of spirits. That's like I, I named the book A Guide of Spirits, you know? And so a psychopomp from a human perspective, it's basically, you know, one of the chapters I talk about how there's a bunch of people when they die, sometimes people don't die pleasantly. Sometimes people don't die of old age and they die of crime or they die of a disease or whatever, and they're still here on earth. And some of them are pissed off as hell. They're like, hey, I don't want to die. I have things to do. And, you know, <laughs> they have unfinished uh, business. Other times, you know, it happens so quickly, they don't know that they're dead. And so for us, I consider us like psychic therapists. And so our job is to help them understand, hey, your time is over. It's time to transition. It's time to move on. And one of the things I'm actually very proud of in this book is that I, I show people how to use, to use healing energy work to help people understand it's time to move on and transition. It's time to go. And it's all about having an open heart, an open idea, an open spirit, and to help people. Because, you know, a lot of books about hauntings or whatever is all about, oh, yeah, uh, take your sword and shoot the poor spirit and send them to the other world. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> Why are we being so aggressive? <laughs> we need it to doesn't be need to be so violent. Healing. It doesn't need to be so violent. However, however, a caveat to that is some spirits are aggressive. Some spirits are harmful. Those spirits, you do have to become aggressive. With. And I teach in the book how to deal with those spirits. However, you got shot and died and you're upset about it. And like, nope, I'm not moving on until... 
And so justice is served. Then you have this arrogant magician who's like, I'm going to force you to move on. Sit down. I ain't moving <laughs> until I want to, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Takes um, basically a spiritual therapist. When I say spiritual therapist, I think they were all spiritual therapists to a point. And if we can help them understand, hey, you've been dead 30 years. It's time to move on. It's time to be with your ancestors. It's time to move on to the afterlife. So I think that's important. That, that is very important because it's because uh, you mentioned in your book, uh, just because we're still we're still entities of free will, even after we pass on, we can still choose to ignore the opportunity for us to pass on because some of That's us right. are confused. That's right. So one of the things that people think is, oh, when you die, you become enlightened and you know all things and you're happy and everything's great. No, when you die, <laughs> it just means you don't have a body. That's all that means. And so you don't have to move on. You don't have to move on. In fact, in a lot of traditions, they believe, like in Buddhism and some of the Native American tribes, like the Lakota, they believe that when you die, your spirit hangs around the physical plane for a few days. And then, then it goes to the afterlife. However, however, you're not forced. You're not forced. Your ancestors, your guardian helpers, your gods and goddesses all say, hey, welcome, welcome, come to the afterlife. But you don't have to go. And to be honest, if someone shot me, I'm not going until somebody has justice. I <laughs> want someone to have justice. And I think that's a very a fair thing to do. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's... Uh, throws the universe out of balance, I think it's a very normal thing. You know, however, what happens is, as we know as magical people, when you're a spirit, time and space is fluid. And so you think it's been two weeks and it's been 20 years. Wow. That's, it's just weird because we just get stuck as physical beings. We get stuck in this rigid concept of like minutes, hours, days. Right. I think one of the reasons I would be scared to move on would be like a, a concept of the underworld. Like I, I have a very like hell. Uh, no, no, not hell. I, I did away with I did away I did away with that uh, wise tale <laughs> a while back. I think it's just a matter. I have a vague concept of what the underworld would be like, but and I picture it as like a like a gloomy forest. You know, you, you know what I mean. Just kind of like that. Um. I don't think it's like that at all. And to be honest, I do a lot of shamanic uh, journeying came through my own experience. The land of the ancestors is not like that at all. In fact, I have found it to be a very beautiful, healing, lovely place, a place of, of warmth and joy and things like that. So I, like, I'm not afraid to die at all. I'm not afraid of it. I, I think that the afterlife is a place to be united with your ancestors who have passed on. And it's a healing place. It's a beautiful place. And you actually talk about that. Also, it's like the underworld is uh, is kind of like you're, you're saying you create your, you can create your own reality with, with just yes, the Yes, absolutely. So if you think about it, that's what spells are, right? Mm -hmm. That's what magic is. If you close your eyes, if you close your eyes and you just visualize say something enjoyable like 
and so I like beaches. I like warmth. I like trees. So I can close my eyes and just think about that. And that's how magic is. So if you're casting a spell, right? I'm going to cast a spell for a new job. I'm going to see myself in the in the office. Can have a great paycheck and a great company, and I'm happy. And you cast your spell, you, you, you light your candle, and you manifest your visualization. Now, take that exact same concept and think, if you're a spirit in the spirit world or the astral or the afterlife or whatever you want to call it, you're literally energy inside of energy. So if I visualize something like beaches and forests, warmth, I'm going to manifest that. So it's the same thing. So whatever you think the afterlife is going to be, it's going to be. Oh, The caveat to that, Mm -hmm. the caveat to that, though, is if you think you deserve to be in a place of shadow and torment, then that's the place you're going to be, too. So before you die, get your head on straight. But I kind of like shady forests. The well, there's manager. a big difference between shadow and 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 like hell, you know. Mm-hmm. I but, think hell would be cool. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's go talk to demons. That would be awesome. And Jimi <laughs> Hendrix and and wait in hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where oh everybody god. else thinks he is, but us. Oh my god, blasphemy! <laughs> but one other thing I really like about your book is that it really filled in a lot of cosmology for me also as well it just how so how so how so like like right there when you're talking about like the underworld and how we interact because our bodies are going to be energy after we pass away and it just really makes me think of people who are under the impression that if they die they're going to go to hell and it's basically a hell of their own making because that's what they perceive that they deserve yes 100 percent and it just really, it, I was reading that and like, it's like a light bulb just flipped on in my head. I was and like a fog lifted. I was like, well, that just makes perfect sense. Why haven't I ever, haven't I ever thought of that? And I go, well, that's why he's writing the book and I'm not. <laughs> well, you know, part of my own spiritual practice is I use a lot of um, shamanic journeying. And so I've gone to the three worlds and I've, and I have spirit contacts and I have gods and I have goddesses and ancestors and fairy contacts and things like that. So I know a lot about the spirit world. I just have that experience. You mentioned like gods and ancestors and stuff. And you also yeah. bring up the concept of a psycho, the psychopomp teachers, but these are yeah. beings in spirit yes. who teach you your craft. So your tradition is taught by a physical person, but it's also uh, requires direct contact. You actually have to put in the footwork to establish contact with these beings. Is that right? That's exactly it. So one of the things I teach all of my students all the time is a physical teacher takes you to the door mm-hmm. and now open the door. Once you walk through, your actual teachers are the gods and goddesses and the spirits. Because like uh, humans, human teaching can only take you really so far. So far. That's right. Eventually, the rubber has to meet the road, and you have to get introduced to the real teachers. The- and that's the thing, because, like, for example, in the book, 
I give a few examples of certain teachers and by no means is this a full encyclopedia of teachers. She, you can have a, so many other teachers. I talk about the angel of death, Azrael. I talk about um, Hecate. I talk about Anubis. I talk about Hermes. I mean, think about it. I mean, Hecate, are you kidding me? That's the kick-ass teacher right there, man. Me? No way am I as good as Hecate. Are you No way. Like, I can take you to the door. I can open the door. I can even give you the key to open the door. Once Hecate or Anubis or Hermes is there, oh, man, that's the power. Let yeah. them teach you from there, man. Absolutely. Let, like, oh, crap. Some of all these uh, teachings I have, it, it came from the gods or it came from the spirits. It didn't come from a human teacher. It came from them. And it's a, another interesting thing you talk about is like when most people think of a healer, they think of somebody who, like the healers yeah. that helped me whenever I was super duper sick with uh, COVID in 2020, along with like yeah. a quarter of the world. But like no one thinks that a healer is needed when a person is passing on. It's like we negate all humanity when somebody begins to make the big transition. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So in a Greek mythology, you know, my patron god is Asclepius, the god of healing. And in the mythology, he holds two vials. And one of the vials is to heal. And the other vial is to kill. Both are healing. Do you know why? I do not. So, of course, the vial to heal yeah, makes you better. It makes you vibrant. It, it heals the bones. It heals the bile. It heals the breath. It heals the blood. Um, but the vial of death, that's also healing. Because sometimes you're suffering. And sometimes you have an advanced cancer and you just can't recoup from. I don't want to call it suicide. I don't want to call it an act of mercy. But sometimes the best healing is to transition into death. And I know, I know a lot of people have opinions about it, and you should. If you don't have an opinion about it, I'm going to judge you. Have an opinion about it, please. Please have an opinion about it. But I've seen patients, because my uh, career path is chaplaincy, um, I've seen patients who are just suffering, and, and it literally hurts them every day. And the doctors say they can't get better. They just can't. And they're on a machine. Mm. And their family is crying every day. So for them to heal, it's, it's time to transition. And I think that's an act of healing. I can, I can definitely see it like that. And I could see how a, how a, how a healer could be important for someone who's transitioning on just to make it more comfortable for them. Like you talk about, you even have yeah. a, there's even a technique in your book for even if you're not skilled in any particular uh, modality of energy healing, you, you give a nice, you give a nice framework for one in there. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I really liked about your book is I really liked uh, like your philosophy on magic, it's a quote one of your ma one of your teachers taught you. He says, "Suspend disbelief during magical practice or ritual." And it's just <laughs> yes. so simple and powerful because I am somebody I get all up in my head whenever I'm trying to do a ritual or meditation. 
Well, you know, my one of my uh, very first magical teachers, Matthew Ellenwood, I remember how old was I? I was probably 25 or something. And I've been practicing camp magic since I was 17 years old, but sometimes I would second guess it to myself. And we would uh, do some, like, we would invoke the gods or we would summon the ancestors or whatever. And I would ask him, like, what if it's not real? Or I would say, what if you're doing a spell and your logical brain kicks in and tries to, like, psychoanalyze what's happening? And he would always tell me, for this moment, suspend its belief and pretend it's true. Pretend you know it's true because your brain doesn't understand. I'm pretending it's true. It just understands it's true. And that's where the magic is. That's where the spell is. If you're having a doubt, you're doing a ceremony, temporarily suspend this belief. After it's over, you can say, okay, well, let me think about that. Okay, how did I do this? How did I do that? Blah, blah, blah. One of the things that I just found that I also liked is you also, <laughs> you talked about things like uh, earthbound spirits and you go through the whole, the, yeah. what I'll just say, the whole enchilada of different kinds of categories of spirits. And then you also cover yeah. like the different layers, uh, different layers of the underworld. Like there's a portion of the underworld that's just like this reality. And then there's one for for people always had like negative dispositions and stuff but it's a it's mm-hmm. it's a very exhaustive book and it's absolutely beautiful my grandma was one of the one of the people who raised me because because my father but my dad wasn't around so it was my mom and my grandma so whenever my grandmother passed it was like losing a parent and so this so this book was very close to my heart for me because i actually have the blanket which was wrapped around her whenever she passed away that's amazing and uh, so this book helped me, it helped me probably, probably was one of the most uh, helpful magical books that like I've ever read. It was very timely. So yep, th- for this episode, uh, the Aaron Recommends is A Guide of Spirits by Chris Allen. And I think I'm actually going to start uploading all these books to my blog at AaronMazza.com. So then everybody can see uh, which books that I like. And if they want to, they can pick them up. There's an energy in the healing technique that's through the Tibetan Buddhists that's called POA. And I got training in this uh, technique. And my teacher was just like, just so you know, whoever is taught POA, it's always at the correct time. And I'm like, ooh, spooky, esoteric, whatever, cool. And she was so right because, like, after I learned this technique, can I teach it to? the technique in the uh, book about Tibetan uh, Buddhist energy healing of the spirits. And in one year, seven people I knew died. Wow. Like tragically. One person just had a heart attack. Another person, literally, it's awful, fell off of a balcony. Another person fell out of a window of a high rise in Chicago. It was awful. Another person took too much Ambien, fell off another, okay. Oh my gosh. Don't take Ambien, just don't, because three people I knew in a year died, I swear to God. And so one of the beautiful things about POEM, and I write in the book, 
is is that energy healing can go through space and time. So if someone dies, say like a week ago, a day ago, 10 years ago, you can do special energy healing that can go back in time and help them transition into the afterlife. And so in one year, I did this so many times, like seven, eight times. My teacher said, students are taught this technique when they're supposed to learn this technique. And it's true. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. In fact, my father died in 2002 from cancer, and I was able to use this energy healing technique to go back in time and send him healing energy at the point of death. And it's, it's beautiful. And it sounds scary, though, because a lot of people are scared of death. A lot of people are like, oh, death, that's too big. I can't touch that. I can't do that. I can't help people with that. That's beyond me. It's not. Because when you can use these techniques to help people transition, it's beautiful. Think of it this way. You know how beautiful it is to watch and be with someone who gives me birth? It's the same thing to hold someone's hand or just energetically be present when someone's transitioning from the physical life to the afterlife. Because think about it. It's scary. I mean, man, like I don't care how magical you are or how spiritual you are. You still have concerns, you know? Mm-hmm. No, one's invincible. So, no one's invincible. And so can you have someone who holds your hand and sit with you? Or someone who energetically is just present. And believe you me, when someone is dying, their spirit, their mind is halfway in, in the physical and halfway in the spiritual. They know that you're there. They know you're there. They know you're there. And it's about su- support because how many times have you had a problem or mm-hmm. situation to where when someone just showed up and was just present, that meant the world to you. Same thing with this. Like, even if you don't do all these grand works of magic, but simply by energetically, physically, spiritually being present, you are really going to help them. Just so interesting that that statement you said, their mind, spirit world, the spiritual world, that's just heavy that's because right. you know, you know that they're, they know that you're there, but in a physical sense, they can also tell in a spiritual and energetic sense. It's like that person gets a 360 view for that brief moment in time. Well, it's interesting because there's been lots of documentation that in hospices, when a person is close to death, can't they start to talk to people who have died 10, 15 years ago? Or they'll say, oh, I see my dog Spot and Spot died 20 years ago. Or they'll say, music from my childhood that my grandmother used to sing to me. Isn't that interesting? And there's like hundreds of documented cases. And some people will say, oh, it's the brain reverting. But those of us who are spiritual understand, no, that's not the case. It's the ancestors, the spirits, and even pets. Even your pets come to greet you at the point of death. Plus, it isn't at the exact point of death. It's, it usually happens a few days before. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting to think about because that, then it just sort of makes you think about 
what it's going to be like whenever it's your whenever it's like it's going to be there for me i think on dogs and people there waiting for me (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be mostly animals Um, (laughs) it's gonna be mostly cats and dogs but they'll think they'll think my my version of heaven is going to be a petco but i'm okay with that because it is i I love animals (laughs) i'll take it normally it's your ancestors it's the people who died even before you it's also pets it's also your gods and goddesses so if you're a follower of Hecate or, or Artemis or Persephone or whoever, they show up too. And plus your spirit helpers. Like, you know how we all say, man, I must have a guardian angel. They show up. They do. And so you have a team. You don't just have like one spiritual uh, person or whatever. You have like seven or eight or nine or whatever. You have a lot. You have a lot. And so it's like a team effort. And I think it's beautiful. And can i love it i'm kind of nervous to meet like a lot of my spirit guides and stuff like that because they're probably going to tell me how many smoke breaks i had to take what they, they were like, dealing girl. with because <laughs> i stressed them out your book like i said earlier filled in a lot of my own personal cosmology and it just i enjoy Good. books that set my mind to thought because you really confronted me about my own personal aversion I have to death and it helped me get one step closer to making peace with it and I don't like to read books if, if I don't think they're going to feed my soul because I, like I said uh, to, uh, at another interview if a book doesn't feed my soul or change my life in any way I donate to goodwill <laughs> and so I am the one responsible for a few metaphysical books in the fluorescent Missouri goodwill <laughs> so i have to admit there have been many books i've donated as well there have been many books i've donated as well and you're definitely a well-structured author and i appreciate the structure oh thank you i appreciate that keep this book as a resource because when you have someone who transitions in your life there's many techniques that'll help plus plus for myself when my father died, I was oh, I was 26, and, and I had you know, magical training, uh, but I didn't have the psychopomp training. And at the time, felt like I have all this magical power, but I couldn't save him from cancer. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't supposed to. But in the, in the, I'm 46 now. And now I can say, hey, you know what? I can use these techniques, go back in time, and help him transition. This book is something that it was structured to help you help people in the present transition and to help people in the past transition. It's also designed to help people who are haunting people. Like, for example, you know, I think every pagan has gotten this call of, hey, I think I'm haunted. I think I have a haunted house. Come fix it. I know I have. Exactly. And so sometimes it's about uh, going to into someone's home and saying, hey, how can I help you? How can I help you understand it's time to move on? How can I help you understand that it's uh, 2022 and it's okay to go? And if I can say one thing about every technique, it's about having an open heart. And I know it doesn't sound witchy cool and dark and scary and powerful, but I don't care. It's about it's about healing. And everything I do is about healing. It may sound witchy and magical, 
but at the end of the day, it's about healing. It's about healing ourselves. It's about healing others. It's about healing the spirits. And yes, spirits need healing too. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote the book. But and sometimes what some people who practice need to realize if they don't practice, healing and compassion is the purest form of purest and most powerful form of magic there is. More so than I all believe. the cool curses and the wands and the tools. Yeah. Uh, if your heart's not right, uh, it's all for nothing. I believe that. I really believe that because, you know, I just had a conversation today and I was like, sorry, not sorry. Someone goes, you know what, Chris? You always see the good in people, no matter what happened. And I'm like, and I don't want to change that. Sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. I always want to see the healing, the good. How can I help? Like, I don't want to fix anything. I want to help people see the big picture. I want to help people see the humanity. I want people to have an open heart. That is my, when someone says, hey, Chris, what's your path? I'm like, it's it's the path of the open heart. That's what it is. <laughs> and that's and that's the most powerful path. That, that, that's a path no matter whether you're a, uh, you practice fairy tradition, a gardenerian wicca, what have you. It's, it's, if you I hope so. I hope all so. Path. Because if you don't have an open yeah. heart, you're as close-minded as those who are opposed to us. And I've seen that so many times. I've seen magical people who just don't have an open heart and, and they don't evolve. And I'm like, no, let's see the good in everybody. However, I will say sometimes I have some friends like, Chris, you see so much of the good and that's why bad things happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. Sorry, not sorry. But that's that's how you're able to get yourself out of it. That's where the magic comes in. I mean, I think so. I'm somebody who gives people a benefit of the doubt too and try and wants to see the best in people and I picture them living their full potential and it's it, it's gotten me into some situations, but I don't regret it. I I, no. am, I I'm a compassionate person and I'm some I'm a patient person and most people would more often not mistake that for weakness and they can keep mistaking it for weakness until they find out how strong I can be. Absolutely. 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 And the thing is, I'd rather people say he's so sweet and so open hearted versus, Oh, he's, <laughs> he's closed. He's closed up to the world. I mean, come on. Yeah, that, that would be the, the worst, uh, the worst critique ever is if somebody ever has to tell me to open my mind, I'm doing something wrong. But especially like with this book, the fact that you said that people who have passed on require healing because there's people out there who think that since you've gone, everything is either hunky-dory or they're beyond yeah. any help. And yeah. this book has extended hope to, peop- to, to people who want to heal their ancestors. That's, that's what a lot of people need. That's how people can fix a lot of the problems they're currently having in their life is they're still living under – the brokenness and the hurt of their ancestors. And this book God. is going to allow them to send healing to their ancestors. Yes, 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 yes. You know, in my underworld uh, books, I talk about um, how they have an ancestral shrine and how that's important and can out of the ancestors. And I've had some, some people say, what happens to my parents were awful. What do I do then? And I'm like, well, to be honest, 
that's ancestral healing that needs to happen. I mean, hurt always comes from somewhere. Nobody is born in pain. Nobody is born in, I mean, emotional pain, spiritual pain. Nobody is born in a place of, I hate everything. That's a taught thing that's from their parents or foster parents or so forth. And that needs ancestral healing. And that's what, because uh, it, it's definitely something I've had to work with because growing up the way I grew up, it, there used to be, and there still is to some points, some some resentment there. And I know that doesn't come from me. It was something I, it's something which was learned. Yeah. And you even cover, I'm going to keep uh, pl- plugging this book until, until <laughs> it can't be plugged anymore. You even cover in this book how to start out working with your ancestors if you haven't. Because if you don't have a firm foundation with the ancestors and you're, I, I look at the ancestors almost like your own personal pantheon yeah. of spirits you work with. That's how you build a foundation of working with spirit. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed your book. Uh, a Guide for Spirits by Chris Allen. Thank you again for talking to me. It definitely got to be a very, a, a more enlightening, <laughs> a more enlightening conversation. It's like you, you tapped a nerve and it really got me going. I didn't know I still Good. had stuff left in me. Well, again, Chris, it was nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you.